Hello, Bel Air. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Um, this is Faye, and I have my guest here today, um, R. Orion Martin. Um, and what we're going to talk about today is um, Chinese comics, a burgeoning market. Yes. For that, I suppose. <laughs> a new frontier. A new frontier. But come closer to the mic. Yes. Okay. Um, so. Um, Orion is a writer and a translator who, um, you know, I've just been describing to people as like a scholar of serial Chinese comics. Um, and uh, so you work on um, like art writing as well, right? That's and right. Yeah. So my my day job is that I do a lot of translation mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of it is for art organizations that are based in China. They'll do catalog or some exhibition text and then I will uh, translate that into English for them mm -hmm. and um, you also write for um, hyperallergic and That's right. uh, the English part of leap magazine yeah yeah they I translate for the Chinese part and I write for the English part so I'm oh that's interesting yeah but you never translate your own articles no, I don't translate into Chinese. I only translate into English. Ah, uh, I see. Yeah. Okay, cool. It's hard to translate into Chinese. It's very hard for me, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's also hard for me <laughs> as um, a native speaker. But I, I have done it on occasion, and then I'm, like, sending it to my mom. Like, does this make any sense? <laughs> um, and she'll be like, it kind of does, but I don't know, like, the context right. at all, which is funny. Um, but anyway, so we're here today to talk about um, Lian Huan. Hua is, like, one of the topics, mm -hmm. which basically means like continuing slow art yeah i guess yeah well not the slow part I like guess. serial linked pictures is yeah yeah how it's sometimes translated right. mm. like literally they just translate it as yeah. serial linked pictures i mean if you want to get technical about what it is yeah i mean what the characters mean right yeah. right um and so you are the founder of paradise systems um which is a um, in person and online, right? Distributor and publisher of Chinese um, up and coming, like underground comic artists. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Paradise Systems focuses a lot on um, contemporary Chinese comics, but we are not exclusively Chinese comics. Mm. We also publish comics from the United States. Um, we can get into this more, but I yeah. think that's an interest. I think it's important to keep the lens broad i don't want to be like pigeonholed as just mm -hmm. doing chinese ah, comics I see. okay but um do you feature more like if it's comics from the u.s like a chinese american artist or is it just any it's comics? just anything okay. Yeah. okay yeah i'm i live in the united states so i'm familiar with this comic scene as well and i feel like i'm capable of pulling from that as well but yeah a lot of the cartoonists that we've been working with are uh, based in mainland China. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and so, I guess, how did um, this venture start? I was living in China and working as a translator, mm -hmm. and I started to read different comics from the underground community of, of artists and cartoonists who are active in China. And um, so that was just really amazing. I mm -hmm. started to find this work that I thought was fantastic. I started to think more about how it was being presented to the U.S. In fact, it was not being presented to the U.S. in any way. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, 
I was kind of the ideal person to take this role of um, presenting these independent cartoonists to an American audience. And what um, what year did that start? In? That started last year. Okay. We're, we're less than a year into this venture, actually. Babies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Um, how, um, I guess because there's, there's also, um, you know, I guess it was a few years ago that like the Chinese um, contemporary rock scene and mm -hmm. like indie music thing kind of exploded in a little bit. Um, and it, I don't think it's quite reached America the, the way that people had envisioned it to or wanted it to. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I lived in Beijing for two years and, you know, went to all these shows and like I'm friends with people um, in the bands who actually sometimes play at, um, what is that space called? The one that's like off Broadway, uh, ba Baby's All Right. Okay. Is it? I wouldn't know. Yeah, I think so. Baby's All Right. Yeah. So I think the, the owner of that is like a... Um, like a Chinese couple or something. And so they, so they have bands from China playing. That's great. Yeah, it's great. And I think um, it's interesting because a few years ago, there really was this kind of like, oh my God, Chinese people like make music. Right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't know, do people react that way? Like Chinese people make comics. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a kind of baseline stereotype of mainland China as yeah. not producing interesting cultural products mm -hmm. and um i don't know where that started or yeah. why that became so prevalent but i i think that it's just time to give up on that idea <laughs> <laughs> i think it's um i mean china does have a different amount of soft power compared to other like east asian countries yeah i would say that there's definitely issues in how in what works get presented what works are kind of rise to the surface of mainstream chinese society yeah that the industries just operate in very different ways that mm -hmm. involve a lot more state intervention yeah of course. and so yeah there's definitely that element to any cultural industry you look at in china right. um yeah and so um, you have two other collaborators, right, that work with you on the project? It's it's mostly me, but yeah. there's actually a lot of collaborators mm. who kind of field just questions I have and give me feedback on design mm. and might help out with, like, paper selection. And oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of new to this. I'm doing it all. So I, I depend a lot on people who, you know, proof me, proofread the translations I do for the comics mm. or... Um, let me know when I've designed a really ugly business card. Those are all really valuable. <laughs> yeah. So you don't have a design background though, or? Uh, no, no. Okay. Really. Yeah. Wow. So you're like doing it all for the first time mm -hmm. just to see these things yeah. get out into the world. I have a background of, you know, being involved in contemporary art and thinking about comics. So, but, uh, yeah, design is actually like one of the hardest things. Every, every book that I've done so far, I've just spent a huge amount of time thinking about how to design it mm -hmm. and the interior pages and the font choices and yeah. the, those are really hard for me. So um, the digital files come, right? They send mm -hmm. the digital files. Yeah. And, and so they print these, um, the comics in China too, or? Some of them. Yeah. Oh. Or is it just harder to get past? Printing is a, is a difficult thing to do. It's once you have a printed good, you know, where would you distribute it? There's not, as strong a network of independent bookstores that are willing to distribute goods mm -hmm. as there are in the United States. Yeah. 
So that's kind of a hurdle that just a lot of stuff is really made for internet consumption. So the first challenge that we face is usually looking at a work that was kind of designed for the air with the internet in mind and uh, then thinking about how can it be integrated into a book form. Mm -hmm. You know the term tiaoman, like no. strip man manga or strip manhua, I guess. Yeah. So that's the way that most people are reading their comics. It's mm -hmm. basically like one giant column of comics that you scroll through. Oh, wait. What is it called? Tiaoman. Like oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. I see. So um, I'm working with some comics right now that were originally designed for that format. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, how do you move that into a book? And what are the dimensions of that book? Or how many panels do you put on a page? That kind yeah. of thing. Because I, I think, um, you know, like apps that um you can download it on the phone to read sure. like japanese manga it's like the same right it's just like one you can only read like one part at a time but maybe yeah. it's not quite as tiao as right <laughs> the yeah yeah there's always that question about because the standard dimensions of a book which would be right uh narrow and tall mm -hmm. don't translate so, and and the two-page spread that all translates kind of in difficult ways yeah. to a computer mm -hmm. so if you're going to design it from the ground up you'd probably design it to be like cell phone width right and right. then just scrollable yeah that's interesting because um do you know the the nib yeah yeah so the nib they have that instagram right. account yeah. and then it's like swipe and then yeah that's yeah. how you read it oh that's yeah that's yeah. true yeah i like I, I mean i like these new forms of publishing like even um even fk twigs um made a, a little zine on instagram and like the images are all connected like uh, oh, cool. horizontally yeah oh nice so it's pretty cool um yeah i have i have my own sort of sort of uh you know history with with comics mm -hmm. um in the sense that i used to so i, I read a lot of like japanese comics obviously mm -hmm. and i would do this thing where i would buy um the taiwanese translation of them like oh. for very cheap like three dollars yeah. a book right Instead of, you know, when it was translated into English, it'd be like 16, right? right? So I would buy the the Chinese ones and then I would translate the Chinese into English and like post it on this like tripod hosted oh, website. Wow. Yeah. And so I had stacks of this and I had my own little studio in a sense where, yeah. you know, I would scan it and then yeah. I would Photoshop it. Yeah. And I didn't do the scanlation in yeah. terms of like putting the text in the bubbles. I typed the text out and I would be like page four. Right. Panel one. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know why I didn't just put the text on. Maybe I felt like it took too much time. Yeah. <clears throat> I read a really interesting article recently, a couple articles by Cecilia de Anastasio um, on, I think it was on Vice, but it was an article about the scanlation community mm -hmm. and how they faced various challenges. I mean, in just that they, they were making all of these things that were made illegally, yeah. but they felt very strongly that those illegal translations were of a much higher quality. Than the original. Yeah. <laughs> that, than the official, like, Viz Media produced yeah. translations. Yeah. And oh, then, Viz. Yeah. <laughs> My God. <laughs> so then just kind of thinking about where does that industry go and how does, yeah. how does it evolve or does it just go away? But I feel like that's probably true because the the peer supported like crowd right. source version of the translations like people have more at stake personally to do like a, a really good sub right, right? Yeah. um <laughs> yeah absolutely and fandom that... is the best 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it was. It's it's interesting to think about that because most most translators usually aren't thinking about comics or they don't come from a comics background right Right. and then i've definitely read translations of manga that was like this is this sounds terrible well there's some (laughs) fan practice in the back but this is kind of nice it's (laughs) kind of nice yeah yeah totally um um sorry i just hear them practicing but i think i think because the fans really have something that they're invested in right and they like want to Right. keep the tone and the canon correct you know right, yeah. all of this um not to get too much into fandom even though a lot of like at least um in japan like a lot of that culture is like fan-made comics versions of comics like there's the dojinshi which mm, is you know like right. the fan interpretation which oftentimes can become more popular than the original right. and stuff like that and um the copyright law for that must be like really different you know than how yeah yeah copyright law gets tricky why is it that i hear that's so weird is it just loud oh yeah yeah they're just like right right outside the door okay i can let me just give me one second Yeah. yeah got skewered in front of his friends <laughs> part one anyway um well the music's still going which is better than yeah. people talking about whatever yeah it's so strange because the sound comes and i feel like it's coming out from the table mm. and like through the stand right into the ears but anyhow so yeah as i was saying um not to get too much into talking about fandom but uh about you know what you're working on sure so what are some um titles that you're currently or that you've recently published, because um, there's um, a few, right? There's less than twenty. Right. There's yeah. There's uh, three titles that have been officially published, and then six that are very, very close. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry, three more that are very close to being published. Yeah. Um. So, the titles that I'm working on with Chinese cartoonists, I did one by a Chinese cartoonist named Gan Mu, mm-hmm. and that was called You Lied. I did another by a Beijing-based cartoonist named Bu Ar Miao, and mm-hmm. that was Electro Cat and Lightning Dog. So Risu Graph. I love that poster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a it's really fun. It, I mean, her yeah. art is really amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, those are the two that I came out with first, and they're, you know, very close to my heart. Mm-hmm. I think that they're two artists that come from really different stylistic mm-hmm. paths who are meow is kind of over the top yeah. like acid kitchen, rock kind of yeah yeah kitchen sink like mm-hmm. and and the storytelling too i think that she doesn't plot it out at all before she writes it it's mm-hmm. just kind of like one thing leads to another right. and they, they meet a genie they, they ask the mm-hmm. genie for a wish and um so yeah just to interject yeah. in there really quickly is um i feel like a lot of that sort of aesthetic in the states at least is like drug induced a little bit or like mm, you have this vision yeah. um but it's so much harder to come by in china like yeah. these substances um yeah so one of the interesting things about her work is that she's not she has a big following online but she's really not connected mm. to the community of independent cartoonists mm. in the way that many of the other people i work with are and I, you know, 
when I show her work to uh, Chinese people, they say Yangqi, you know? Oh, and yeah. Like, yeah. And like Western. Yeah. 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 Western looking. Yeah. Um, so I'm, it just, I guess it speaks to, I don't really think that her work looks that much like American comics. I think it's this weird fusion of mm-hmm. like adventure time and mm-hmm. like, you know, manga, different manga styles. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah, and then the other artist, um, Ganmu, is much more serene. Yeah. Right? Sort of minimalistic. Yeah, she, if you look at her early work, you can still tell it's her work, but it's like a little bit looser. Mm-hmm. And then over time, she's just kind of refined her style and made it this really clear, sharp line that mm-hmm. d- delineates everything in her comics. Mm-hmm. And uh, that comic that we published by her is actually all watercolor. That's something that. Is, can't tell. Yeah. yeah, you can't really tell. It looked because so many people are doing uh, something that looks like watercolor printmaking, but they're doing it all digitally. Mm. But she really is just like watercoloring these things with a uh, really amazing amount of control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she like the precise amount of time for a layer of water to dry, right? And yeah. like how much ink to put on on yeah. the brush and stuff yeah. like that. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, because um. Like those effects you could, yeah, you could do with Illustrator, right? It's yeah, the yeah. The gradient kind of. Right, exactly. Yeah. There's lots of gradients in her work and the way the shading works. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So she's like kind of a mysterious figure in the comics community. Doesn't like to talk about mm-hmm. her personal life or her influences much. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's built up this really amazing body of work that I think makes her a really outstanding uh illustrator i mean Mm -hmm. just over time she's really continued to produce all of this work she started in the mid 2000s and then still has kept it up yeah she continues to make new work i'm Mm -hmm. seeing it come out on doban all the time oh okay so these are like like doban celebrities a little bit yeah yeah a lot of the cartoonists i work with uh have a you know warm feelings about doban yeah especially around like late 2000s mm-hmm. it was a, really a gathering place and if you talk to anybody who was in the scene at that time they all knew one another through yeah. Doban because mm-hmm. there's only a few hundred people who really cared about right, these right. international comics yeah that's interesting because I I mean when I was living in China I definitely used it to look at books like what are what are you know the um the Wen Yi Qing Nian like uh mm. what, what do we call them now like cultural youth yeah youth interested in culture um like looking at right like what kind right. of movies are they watching yeah. and the bands of course there's like the bands um it's like the facebook right of like when people are going to perform sure. and where um and that kind of discussion yeah it's a fun you know all the social media in china is different they just yeah. have different platforms and they fill different roles in the media ecosystem so doban is like Something in between Facebook and IMDb. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I... I feel like it's kind of like Elo in a way. No, I've like, never used Elo. Neither have I, but Elo is kind of turning into this platform, like Tumblr in a way. Actually, mm-hmm. more like Tumblr. Mm, like, yeah. it's, it's a place to feature and love, like, internet love, really, like, cult things yeah. that people get excited uh, about. That's true. Yeah. But it also has such a strong, like review feature Mm. you know i think Mm -hmm. that's so central to it is that that's where you go to find like you know the rating of whatever movie just came out is it's like kind of rotten tomatoes as well right right yeah that's actually you know what i'm like damn i really like uh, i forgot about doban but yeah i like it 
Um, so do these artists publish on like WeChat as well and stuff like that? Yes. Everybody now has their own WeChat channel. Like official. Yeah. yeah. Official account. And yeah. So yeah. They're all posting there as well. Mm-hmm. I find that to be like, you know, because of the specific way that WeChat works, it took me a while to get into the community because yeah, again, it's it's just it just functions in a different way, and there's not a clear reblogging mm-hmm. system, mm-hmm. or it's a little bit different how that all plays out. But uh, once you start to get to know the creators and you become friends with them, then you can see what they're posting, mm-hmm. and that's when you can really see like all the people who are active in the mm-hmm. community. I see. But I recently went to China for five weeks and was meeting with a lot of illustrators. And after that, now I'm seeing all of these comics show up in my WeChat feed mm. where before I just was completely okay, unaware. Because you added them. Right. And then whatever. They're posting all right. the new comics that come out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Maybe. Hmm. Okay. I'm like trying to think about how I can see them, <laughs> but it's okay. We can, we can figure that out later. Yeah. Um, but that's so cool. So, um what are you know like so when an artist has an official wechat channel that they're officially publishing on sure does that uh, that obviously means that they are subject to like official censorship in yeah. a way that like a like a random scene wouldn't necessarily be right um in terms of censorship the big hang up really is nudity that's what people get i see stuck on even if it's like an amorphous blob with like three dots on it yeah okay (laughs) what if okay yeah no i mean it's sometimes things will get passed you know and yeah uh it depends on it's the way the system works as i understand it is that the on every wechat article you can report it and Mm -hmm. if it's reported and it has nudity they'll take it down yeah but I know that this was a big problem for there's a group that does scanlations of really obscure mm-hmm. alternative manga for Chinese audiences. Like Japanese manga for Chinese audiences. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. So they were running into that a lot and they would have they would kind of go back and forth with the censors over it and try different ways about getting oh, around interesting. it. Yeah. So they would have a negotiation process with their censors. You can appeal ah. uh, through the WeChat thing. And they said that they'd like contacted people and tried to explain like, mm-hmm. this is art. This is not. Right. Yeah. This, is, this is art. That's really. Wow. That's so. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so. So the like. Yeah. So Ganmu and. um Bu, uh, what's the other? Buarmiao. Yeah. Buarmiao. Like, do they. What are their themes about? Like, it's not, they've never been subject to censorship. Or it's a bit more subtle. Yeah. I mean, well, none of them have done a comic that involved nudity, okay. to my knowledge. What about, like, textual stuff and, like, content? Like, do they not look at... I think it depends how... Uh, I think, you know, in a lot of cultural fields, there are kind of, like, red lines. Mm-hmm. And if you're not crossing those red lines, which probably, you know, depending on what kind of work you want to make, you wouldn't necessarily run into it. But mm-hmm. definitely, like, a red line would be, like, for, just to give an example, criticism of, like, upper par- upper yeah. people in the government. Right. Um, so. No Winnie the Poohs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so as long as you stay within a certain range, you probably mm-hmm. wouldn't have a problem with it. And I don't think that Gamu and Bura Miao have ever had censorship right, issues. Right. Yeah. That's so, hmm. yeah, no, it's complicated. Of course. Sure. Um, 
Is there, um, so, you know, I, I went to see your booth for the first time at the um, Comic Arts Brooklyn Festival this yeah. past weekend. Um, and I was kind of interested in the fact that it was like, so the Chinese titles were all in English, actually, and that wasn't like a bilingual thing. Right. And I was curious, like, um, what what the thinking behind that part is. I originally thought of this as really like something where I would take works from China, translate them to English and bring them to a wider audience mm -hmm. of, you know, Americans and Europeans who had never seen these artists before yeah. or didn't have access to these works. But since then, I realized that a lot of people in China who are interested in independent comics do really do, don't mind just having the work in English mm -hmm. because they're you know reading works in English all the time yeah. because nothing is really being translated mm -hmm. into Chinese so also like a comic depending on how like text heavy it is usually Can't it's a, fit. right yeah yeah something that you'd be able I mean everybody's taking English in school right so I've also thought about distributing more um in China as well in terms of making a bilingual book it's just hard mm -hmm. with comics mm -hmm. You know, the there's this anthology that came out from France recently that was like just such a beautiful book. It's called Gaufray. Um How do you spell it? G O U F F R E. Okay. And it's just an amazing book, but the solution that they found to translate into English, because it's a French anthology, mm -hmm. is to include like a insert that has all the translations. Oh, I see. And you know, it just I, I feel like everybody's looking for that magic bullet of how mm -hmm. to do, um, but it's just really hard. There's yeah. just no great solution. I'm now yeah. working on a book with Yen Zong, mm -hmm. and that book will be bilingual because there's just a small enough text that I felt like it was okay to just put it at the bottom of the page yeah. in translation, and mm -hmm. that wouldn't really disrupt your experience. Right. It's only like five lines of text in the whole yeah. book. So to, um, to kind of talk a little bit about about him sure um i knew about him i think when i was living in beijing and oh, like yeah. the word was that like oh this guy's like making a little you know, kind of subversive stuff like oh, concert concert illustrations yeah. and yeah. things like that um i i think it's the same person but he's from was it chairman it wasn't chairman Tsa. oh i don't know maybe no yeah. I think maybe maybe they were featured in the same thing, and maybe I got confused. But but is he subversive? <laughs> Just I confirm. think I think he's very subversive. Yeah. I think that he's, um, well, maybe subversive isn't the right word, but he's he's extremely honest, and he's willing to just be really direct with mm -hmm. about depression and mm -hmm. deal with these kind of extremely sad topics. He also makes a lot of work that's very sexually explicit. He recently edited an anthology called Naked Body, mm -hmm. where he just put out the word on the internet on Weibo, like anybody can submit to this anthology, just submit four pages in color, and everyone, all the main characters have to be naked. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, that's that was, I think... I'm sure that was for a lot of cartoonists in China the first time that they'd done a comic with naked people in it. Mm. I think that he... I mean, the other thing about Yen Song is that he's coming from a 
contemporary art background, right? He's represented by a gallery. Mm. He's very active kind of in doing these large scale exhibitions mm -hmm. and he sells a lot of paintings. So I think that influence too is just kind of draws him towards more extreme. Yeah. Yeah. Alternative comics are just weird, weird ways of thinking about comics that a lot of other cartoonists wouldn't necessarily be drawn to. Right, right. Hmm. I've never seen his paintings actually, but they're they, you know, I have a I have a book of his work um, in my bag. If yeah. You look, but yeah, totally. Should I get it? Yeah, sure. He's done like all kinds of different media. He did this one. He did one series of work that I think is really fascinating. It's all collages. And, but he usually um, works in the medium of like oil or yeah, like acrylic. Cool. I'm gonna Instagram story this. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, I, I guess maybe while I'm doing this, like we can like talk a ahead a little bit. Yeah. Um. Mostly while I'll be preoccupied <laughs> is I, I wanted to um, backtrack a little bit and like sort of lay out the the scene of the of the. Lay, the lay of the land, right? Of, sure. of all the comics, because I think we use some of these terms interchangeably. Sure. Um, and I just wanted to spell that out a little bit for the audience. Are you talking about like manhua and that kind of thing? Yeah. Is that what you think about? Yeah. So okay. there's definitely, you know, huge influx of like Japanese and Korean influence into China mm -hmm. when, when we're talking about comics, right? Right. Um, which um, I guess in Korean is like manhua and in Japanese it's manga and in Chinese, it's manhua, which means to draw pictures slowly, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. And so um, and so, what we're talking about right now is manhua, mm -hmm. which is like Chinese, but bringing it, putting English on it and like putting it in front of a, a Western audience then kind of makes it into a comic. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, I find these labels kind of like... Um, I think that the debate over exactly what you call something gets a little bit tiresome. I mean, not that it's not... I'm not policing you. It's yeah. okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it does just get... It gets muddy as soon as you start to go into it. So, for example, like, to give you... You know, it, someone who's making work like Yen Song, who's, like, totally based in Beijing, I don't think he speaks English mm -hmm. very much, uh, but his real source of influence is all from European alternative comics. Right. So what do you call that? I mean, yeah. is that manhua? Is that That's just true. Yeah. comics? Mm -hmm. I mean, because when people say manhua, they're often talking about uh, Chinese cartoonists who work in a very mainstream environment. And so they're publishing with uh, giant Chinese publishing houses. Mm -hmm. And they're using a style that looks somewhat like Japanese manga or the yeah. conventions of Japanese manga. Yeah. And so that's like that's uh, kind of, eye to face proportion size. Yeah. Example. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I think that there are like small stylistic differences that you can say like, oh, this kind of gives this person away as a Chinese artist mm -hmm. or this is a Japanese artist. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of tricky. I think part of the reason it gets so tricky is that, like, Japan, because Japanese comics became popular first, manga kind of, like, got there first. And so everybody has to yeah. define how they're different than manga, right. even though manga is so different from one book to another. Mm -hmm. 
So I don't know. I I think it gets muddy. I just yeah. use the word comics. <laughs> I think no. I think that's good. Um, and so, so then the the serial comics, right? The Lian Huan Hua. Sure. So that's um, something really special. Really special, yeah. and like you are a fervent <laughs> promoter <laughs> promoter of, of yeah. it. Um, so can you talk a little bit about its? I guess like historical cultural historical significance. Sure. Um, and, and like what you actually. Um, because I, I think maybe people in China, like born after a certain year, don't know what they are. And yeah. so if they come to like, there's so many international students here, mm-hmm. right? Um, Chinese international students, they come to your booth and it's like, oh, like Chinese yeah. comics. And then like, oh, what's this? Right. You know, like what what's the message there, I guess, also? Um, well, to just talk about, let's just start with yeah. the, you <laughs> One know, thing their background. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lian Huanhua are a specific format of comic that kind of started in the 1920s in China when uh, printing technologies became widely accessible and there was a kind of standard style of one image with text captioned below it and that Mm -hmm. style doesn't hold true all the time there are lots and lots of exceptions but that became kind of a convention and so they're they're the interesting thing about them is that they're pocketbook size. Mm-hmm. They're like twelve point five inches long, uh, or twelve point five inches wide, or centimeters mm-hmm. twelve point five centimeters wide and nine centimeters tall. So they're really like small pocketbook things. Yeah, and they're bound with staples in a way that makes them feel very uh, like you really you never cross the page. There's mm-hmm. never like a two page spread. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the paper is so thin it's like two ply toilet paper it's like thinner than that you wouldn't want to use this toilet paper because it's so thin it's it's like a oil blotting paper yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um it's it, yeah it's extremely thin paper and they were sold for nothing mm-hmm. you know they're sold for like point one three yuan so that would be like two pennies yeah <laughs> Uh, and they were really popular throughout the 20th century up until the 1990s and they go through different phases kind of where in the beginning during the republican era there's all kinds of weird violent ones Mm -hmm. and then once the you know after liberation then there's a lot more political control on the content and that kind of holds true until around uh, well, until after the Cultural Revolution ends in 1976. And then from 1976 until 1990, which is the era that I know the most about mm-hmm. because that's what most of the surviving ones are yeah. from, then it's kind of like a golden era where they're being consumed in huge amounts and they're extremely popular. Mm. It's kind of like a television for the country. And they're all kinds of different works. There's some other adaptations of foreign films some of them are fables you know every genre of fable was really popular whether that be like traditional chinese fable or western fable there was also communist stories mm-hmm. there was informational ones that talked about like what to do in case of an atomic war mm-hmm. so yeah it's uh it's just a really diverse history of comic making that people don't usually think of mm-hmm. um, as part of comics history. And the style, like, um, 
the the style is quite i guess um there's no color except for the right. cover black and white black and white and they look sort of like wood block or lino yeah esque um <laughs> yeah i mean it depends a little bit on the artist because people brought their kind of different backgrounds some of them look a lot like ink paintings mm -hmm. some of them are much more like very realist sketchings mm -hmm. so yeah it kind of depends on the artist i should say that there are definitely examples of um color ones as well mm -hmm. but they're a lot rarer there were I some see. that were done like oil paintings oh and then, wow yeah yeah i um i think i probably read um, like Journey to the West a, sure. a little bit in that format. Um, and also there, um, I had this one as a child that was like bound by thread and oh. it was like more square, okay. um, but it was painted kind of like the oil painting. Sure. Yeah. Um, but it, it was like a very, very short story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, about someone who really wanted to write calligraphy and like had made their own paper, <laughs> um, you know, got to do the classics, right. Um, <laughs> and so, um, like, I guess what, what are some of your favorite, like, yeah, through the, years? I, th I think that my, you know, I, I've read so many, I think they're so interesting. I think my favorites are mostly from the, period of like the 80s and that's when things culture explosion yeah, of, yeah that's when things started to really get weird they started to allow all kinds of different content that they weren't allowing mm -hmm. before that they were kind of suppressing before and they were also allowing all kinds of art styles that weren't really sanctioned before mm -hmm. and so illustrators were given a little bit more free reign to do their own thing and sometimes you see a book and it's like, you know, it's like a realist rendering of people, you know, talking about something. But it's so clear that the artist wanted to spend almost all their energy on the leaves of a tree. <laughs> just so, so intricate and cover like yeah. most of every illustration. So um, that's I, interesting. Yeah. There's also lots of weird ones. Like I have one where it's about a hospital uh, caring for different people, but the all the characters are insects and so it's there's like a praying mantis in a nurse outfit kind of <laughs> doing various things and so it's <laughs> so strange yeah there's like a bunch of star wars adaptations mm -hmm. during that time and other science fiction you know titles from the west were all adapted yeah. and it's like this post cold war kind of um thing right yeah yeah well wait what do you mean post -Cold oh war? well like um in in the 70s right yeah yeah in the 80s they were really yes it's or after, more modern than yeah it's after the cultural revolution there and yeah and it's about kind of yeah it's it's about this thirst that people had during that time for pop culture mm -hmm. and for works from outside of china yeah that they I, hadn't had access to i can see you know because they're really starving for that yeah um whenever i see pictures of like friends parents um who are from hong kong and stuff you know they're wearing like bell bottoms and just like a totally different style right, right? Yeah. um and then i look at pictures of like my parents and it's <laughs> you know all in like the kind of uh, like sent down right work kind of outfits yeah. like blouses and stuff yeah um i mean the country yeah. is coming out of this extremely traumatic period 
and then we suddenly you know the economy was just changing everything and it's just a it was just a really popular format during the those years mm -hmm. so how um how did you get interested in all of this stuff like you lived in beijing for how how many years i never lived in beijing oh, okay i lived in chengdu i lived mm -hmm. in Kunming and chengdu mm -hmm. for a total of three years mm -hmm. and um i think i i was walking past an antique store and i saw they had this like towering pile of hundreds oh, of wow. these Lian Huan Hua. yeah and i started flipping through them and they're just amazing so that was my first entry into them mm -hmm. and I had a friend, I was working in a gallery at that time, and a curator that I was working with started talking to me about how um, important they were to the culture when mm. he was growing up. Mm. And one of the things about that was that the artists during that period didn't have any way to support themselves. There was no art market whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So a lot of famous artists started drawing Lian Tuan Hua because that was where the money was. Mm. So these famous artists were making these works, which were then, ex you know, disseminated all over the country. Right. And, yeah, it's just kind of an interesting moment of China's cultural development. Mm -hmm. I could see sort of like a parallel between writers who were first writing for, like, Reader's Digest or something. Um, yeah. Yeah, I could see that. It's kind of like, in, I think there are some parallels to the video game industry in China, mm. which is so strong right now. Mm. And a lot of illustrators I know think of it as like work that they don't really feel passionate about in any way, but pays well. Yeah. I don't know anything about the video game industry. I mean, I, I know about the like autumn, what is it called? Autumn Wars or whatever, <laughs> like these RPG yeah, right. types. Um, but I, I don't, I didn't know there was like an indie game scene or anything. Like I that don't there. think there is okay. much of an indie game scene. Yeah. I think it's mostly these giant main, you know, like uh, net ease and um, I'm trying to think of the, the, there's, there's anyway, there's some giant behemoth things. A lot of people are spending all their time playing these online video games. And yeah. mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, like my, my thing about these comics and the the language aspect is mm -hmm. that they're kind of they're cool tools to like learn the language yeah. in a way that um it's a little bit strange but you might find it more relates to your state of mind or or you know your ideology more than like hi how is it going today right. did you go to that bruce springsteen concert <laughs> right yeah well, and there's an, actually a fascinating piece of history about that, which is that part of the reason Lan Huan Hua became so popular and remained so popular during the communist era was that uh, the Communist Party really viewed them as a tool for literacy building. Mm -hmm. That was a huge priority for the government, uh, was like raising the literacy rate, which was, wow. which was very low. Yeah. And now it's like, you know, in the upper 90s. And they saw, I mean, there's a quote where Chairman Mao is talking about, like, oh, you know, Lian Huan Hua is really that's a so tool. That's so interesting. Yeah, I had no idea. Tool we can use to help promote literacy. And yeah. Th that's part of the reason that they were so published in these huge mm. quantities. They were allowed to be yeah. published. Yeah. Yeah. They were seen as, like, a tool of education. Yeah. Wow. That's actually fascinating. Um, yeah, because I mean the 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 thing with this like Pepe zine that I've been making and been distributing is that um, 
I, I just got really good feedback from, from it when people buy them and they don't speak Chinese nor can they really read. Right. But you know, that there's this flashcard element and they're, I've, I've heard like, Oh, like I'm going to read this to my mom, you know, or right. like we're going to look at these flashcards together. And I, I found that was really like a nice moment and it's changing the way that I think about, um, print in, in different languages. Yeah. Um, like what, what of those can we really, like what short phrases can we really use to kind of not only talk about the composition of the, you know, the language itself, but the, the context and the cultural aspects as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's, it's really been underutilized mm -hmm. as a tool of language learning because there's um, so much more context that you're getting from the images. And when you're doing dialogue, it's usually a little bit simplified anyways. Yeah. So, you know, it's a, it's a really powerful thing. Mm -hmm. I, I know that when I'm learning a language, it's something that I've always looked to. And that was part of the reason that I started to take interest in Chinese comics. Yeah. And I think it's it's like you you learn so much about the just like all all the stuff that isn't communicated in in the language mm -hmm. like immediately um so you know talking about like we we mentioned this a little bit earlier, but the titles that I kind of grew up reading sure um so one of them is called i guess it's called the Black Cat Detectives yeah. in English um hey Mao Jing Zhang or um uh Hulu Wa, which is I don't like the brothers of the Gord, Gord brothers. <laughs> yeah. Or, and, and I don't know a lot about that series. Is it, yeah. is it related to journey to the West? Is no. It, okay. Um, they, they look like, so like they look like Noja, mm. but they're not. Noja. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But Just they're confused. Yeah. But it's the same aesthetic, like very round and yeah. kind of like, yeah. like in the Japanese sense, like chibi fied. Mm -hmm. Um, but so, you know, these are very cute characters usually drawn in this like very flat aesthetic with like thick lines um not that many details but um you know they really are doing very courageous and kind of dangerous things um like the cats are policing uh the mice and then it's very black and white you know in terms of like good and bad um and, and the same with huluwa and there's so much sacrifice in in these like um in huluwa the the gourd brothers they have this like dad kind of figure who's like an old um old man who chops wood basically um but in so many different episodes or in so many different movies he's the one that like dies right mm. in order to save one of them right and that's that's a thing that's like so common mm. in um especially like chinese animated movies from the 80s like the nanjing animation studio like came out with all of these like like the um the Nuja. What's that? In, what are they in English? Like, um, Noja conquers the sea demon, the sea dragon, or something yeah, like I that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like like these series, sacrifice is so much a big part of it. Sure. And it's and and the sacrifice is embodied in these like childlike forms. So like, um, the story with Noja is that he was born from this like pearl thing out of like a flower, and you know he's like a demonic being but he's a child, but very powerful. And so he picks a fight with the, the dragon emperors um, who then like, like wreck havoc upon the earth with like tsunamis and typhoons and earthquakes and everything. Right. Right. And so in order to pacify them, like he basically slits his own throat with his dad's sword. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, it's, he's like a, a cherubic child, yeah. <laughs> you know, who's like wearing this like diaper thing. Yeah. Um, and that was, 
it was like such a strong memory in my mind having watched this as a child it's like yeah. okay so if my parents fuck up like i'm supposed to kill myself <laughs> um which you know is really not a western concept yeah. i think um yeah. Yeah. and you know yeah. i recently talked to someone who was uh in publishing and they had said to they they had been discussing whether or not to collaborate with a Chinese publisher and they had these young adult novels that mm -hmm. they were thinking about publishing and they sent them to a Chinese reader and the reader wrote back and said like these are like beautiful novels but I can't really recommend any of them because they kind of deal with you know general teen drama and then they all end with death <laughs> <laughs> they all end like with a really strong message of mm. you should just listen to what your teachers and your oh. parents tell you to do absolutely that's the number one way to solve all your problems oh my god <laughs> that is so yeah. like chinese <laughs> yeah. in a way wow yeah that's really ridiculous because it also just reminds i have all these like weird memories that are popping up but um i went to do this like audition for like a voice recording mm -hmm. um and I didn't really realize until I got there, but the voice recording was for an automated system that came out of a car for foreign people living in China oh. when they got in trouble. Oh, wow. So it would be like, think of your family. Think of your kids. <laughs> like, what would your parents say? And it's like, I don't know if that really works for <laughs> the like, Western audience per oh, se wow um, what an amazing recording it's yeah. like a siri prototype like, <laughs> just guide you through your thought process yeah but it, it was funny because um like one of my friends friends had done it and i heard his recording after i did mine because yeah. they were like yeah your voice is a bit too like sensual for mm. this it doesn't really work <laughs> but he was like so authoritative you oh, know I that, see. that that i think is oh. probably what they ended up going with but anyway um Sorry, I'm just trying to come back to whatever Chinese I had. Chinese comics? Okay. Yeah, Chinese comics. <laughs> um, yes. So so the audience of the people that come to the booth, like, what do they say? What is the kind of reaction? I think people are excited that they've never seen independent comics from China before. Mm -hmm. And it's just something that they're they're intrigued by the idea. I mean, people are thinking a lot about China. Obviously, there's all, you know. It's just in, stuff. right in the cultural consciousness, um, but not in the best ways. Yeah. Although you know, I think I think China's really coming up in some ways, like becoming a leader in environmental issues. Hopefully. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think you know, we don't we don't need to get into the politics. <laughs> I mean, I think you can you. I mean, it. I try to be optimistic, as optimistic as I can about where things are heading in the world and that mm -hmm. includes china yeah i'm probably a pessimist but yeah yeah it's easy to be a pessimist <laughs> it is right yeah yeah you don't have to put any work into yeah. it really it's just the the just default state you. i mean i think there's a lot of just dystopian feeling yeah. around i think it's all over the culture and i think I I think in like a year or so, people are going to be like, I don't want to watch another dystopian sci-fi. I'm tired of it. I yeah. just want to do something that's fun right, or like right. optimistic or makes me believe. That totally. Yeah. Which is something I really um, appreciate about, I guess, you know, the curatorial decisions and not really trying to uh, supply any like overt narrative to the publication of Chinese comics mm -hmm. um, because there's this other comic or or artists that I follow on Twitter and social media, um, who is kind of, um, 
like a human rights type right. comic artist, yeah. um, uh, Ba mm. So he, you know, he um, made a lot of comics about this like Liu Xiaobo kind yeah. of stuff, and um, it's like kind of an, an Ai Weiwei esque, yeah. you know, approach. Um, I would say it's even more direct than I would. And there's a yeah. whole, there's a culture of political cartooning, you know, that's that's published mostly outside of mm-hmm. China, sometimes you know, discreetly in China, and that's not something that I have much background in or have looked much at. Um, I I mean I when I look at those works, my personal opinion as a comics reader is that those are like just a very blunt way to address an issue, and I feel like. If I'm looking at comics, I'm always looking, I think of it more as a fiction or a more narrative way where you you can get at issues without directly, you know, yeah. engaging with them. Right. And like, I think humor is always a, a great political yeah, tool. Yeah, absolutely. Though, yeah. Um, I saw this, uh, someone I follow on WeChat recently posted, you know, because all this stuff has been coming out about mm-hmm. uh, uh, Xi Jinping. They posted like a series of posters that were like, it's, it's, it'll be like a bathhouse and everybody's just bathing. And then in the background, they have a giant Xi Jinping projector going, <laughs> like watching him speak. And, or like everybody's doing yoga, but they're also yeah, all yeah. watching Xi Jinping. <laughs> right. He's like really printed fun. on the yoga yeah. mat or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's this like weird game that came out. I don't know if you've seen it. Shui but, Xi? Uh, I don't know, but oh, it's like. No clapping oh i didn't see it because like you know his speeches are like hours long yeah. right so this game is about like how many times you can clap like during his speech <laughs> and I, I don't know if it's made in jest or not yeah. but it's perfect right yeah. it's That's funny it's so good um so yeah we're like you know ab- about um at the end of the hour but yeah. what are some like next steps you know for paradise systems and what I, else are you working on i want to do bigger books and you know the books i've done so far have been like 12 to 24 pages Mm -hmm. and that's not really enough time to give the work room to breathe and establish itself Mm -hmm. and develop in new ways so i've been thinking about how to expand and scale and um what kind of works would be best for that um you know people who are making comics independently they're most people don't think like I'm gonna sit down and make like a 200 to 300 page work. <laughs> That's something different. <laughs> yeah. So you know it. So it's different. And then, but my goal is to continue supporting artists and letting them know that there's like people who are very interested mm-hmm. in this kind of work and would love to see more work from them. Yeah. Kickstarter. Kickstarter. Yeah, I think Kickstarter is definitely gonna be in the future. Yeah. I've been thinking about trying to translate that uh, the naked body anthology that mm-hmm. we've talked about, mm-hmm. um, and I have some other ideas. Yeah. yeah, let me know if you want any help with. It. I would love to <laughs> participate. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. I always am looking for proofreaders and you know designers and yeah, that kind of thing. Totally, I'd totally yeah. be interested. And um, I you know Patreon too. Yeah, could be you know that serialized like Lan Juan Patreon. Yeah, <laughs> kind of model. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, some people do like a they'll do like a Patreon comic, and then after it's all, so they'll release it in episodes, mm-hmm. and then have a book when it's done. I think that could be like really powerful. Yeah, that could be super cool. Um, I mean, that's yeah. kind of the way that a lot of mainstream Chinese comics work. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, 
they're doing these serial comics and you can read like the first two or three chapters for free right and then you hit a paywall right, if you want right, to keep right. reading oh the tiao um no, no no like there's a different is there um i guess this is what people refer to as manhua yeah. right but it's kind of a mainstream comic it looks like a japanese style okay I see. and it's kind of you know it's not something i've i've read a lot of that there's not a lot of focus on like the illustration i shouldn't say that that's kind of like <laughs> You know, talking shit so yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um that it's really based around it's really focused on the story about how these protagonists develop and they fall in love and mm-hmm. they fall out of love right it's right. kind of a drama yeah yeah so I, yeah i wonder because i haven't really read that many but yeah. but i always i guess i'm still thinking about the sacrifice thing and the themes are just so over the over your head like or yeah. hitting you over the head um but and I and I skimmed through some of the articles that you'd written about um, Chinese comics and why there isn't as much of like this DIY scene, and that um, the perversity is like lacking in a sense because mm. it's not seeded to really thrive in China in terms of yeah compared to Japan, right? Yeah, I mean Japan, you know, some of these things that we think of as like classic under you know classic weird japanese manga like kago shintaro kago shintaro is an interesting character because he does in you know social commentary and he talks about weird political issues mm-hmm. but it's all i mean he started out just only being able to get work in this kind of um like grotesque mm. uh it's like erotic a, grotesque yeah, genre. yeah 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 so um there's not that genre in China. No, there really <laughs> so isn't. So there's like less avenues that people get Definitely. into weird things, yeah. except from, you know, but there are also lots of creators in China who are like Yen Song, who Yen Song always says that as soon as he saw alternative comics from Europe, he was like, oh, this is what I should be doing. Mm. Like, this is just so clearly in line with my interests and my style. I see. He said, he told me that he used to draw like manga style comics with like a nib pen and then mm-hmm. it, they just look so bad <laughs> um so yeah yeah because because i think the the other the other big classic with these like lianhua types is this like sanmal kind of story sure. uh three hairs i don't know um yeah who you know was really like the most pitiful character in in all of comics maybe but um this like poor child basically who who through his trials and tribulations kind of illustrated the the state of society at at a certain point in china um like you know from there you can you can only go up and in a sense like where it's it's such a model of yeah of storytelling that i mean and, and if there's one thing that i think uh is a new direction I see for Chinese comics. It's that this history of Lian Huanhua and San Mao and these weird works that came out of that period are not really recognized by Chinese audiences mm-hmm. in China mm-hmm. even. Right. So um, I'm really interested in kind of encouraging artists to think about all those cool things that were happening in the 80s and before. Yeah. And uh, I'm working on a new series of comics which are in the same format as Lian Huanhua, so they'll be kind of pocketbook size, mm-hmm. the same dimensions, but they're by contemporary cartoonists, and they have a more, you know, 
they're just more interesting stylistically, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. So excited to see all this. I yeah, I was in Germany when you had your like launch party, but I was oh, like, yeah. oh, I wish I was there. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for this chat. I actually I learned like so much, and it's interesting to be like Chinese, but also yeah, no, not know a lot of um, the references and the history behind these things. So um, yeah, I hope to you know see everything and read everything and like learn more and and all of that. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoyed that. Yay. All right, see you soon at the next scene thing, probably. Yep. (laughs) All right, thank you.